Hey folks, Andy Patton here. The NBA Draft Lottery took place on Tuesday evening and the Orlando Magic are the big winners. Will they reunite high school teammates Jalen Suggs and Chet Holmgren? We look at the team fits for each of the top five picks in the lottery for Chet and also discuss the latest updates on the Zags playing overseas hoops. And we discuss Tuesday's tough loss for the Gonzaga Bulldogs and what that means for their regional hosting dreams. All right here on the Locked On Zags podcast. Don't go away. You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton. Here to bring you news and updates on all things Zag Athletics. I want to thank all of you who continue to make Locked On Zags your first listen of the day, as well as those of you who have subscribed and checked out the show on our YouTube channel. If you haven't done so and you would like to be a part of the group, just go to youtube.com, search Locked On Zags, and hit that subscribe button. All right, lots of good things happening in Zagland over the last couple of days. The NBA draft lottery was the big news. It's always fun that Gonzaga fans get to now actively participate in watching the NBA draft lottery because we frequently have players who are involved in the top 10 or top 15 picks of the NBA draft. This year, of course, Chet Holmgren is going to be one of the first players selected, very likely going to at least tie or potentially break the record for highest selected Zag in the NBA draft. Of course, Adam Morrison in the 2006 draft currently carries that mantle as the number three pick. We're going to talk about the top five picks. Chet is not going to fall below fifth. It would be pretty surprising if he even fell to fifth at all, but we're going to talk about those five teams and what that fit looks like, starting with the winners from Tuesday's lottery, the Orlando Magic. Shout out to Jalen Suggs and the Magic. They now have the opportunity to add Chet Holmgren to the roster. They, of course, also have the opportunity to add Jabari Smith from Auburn or Paolo Bancaro from Duke, or they could throw a wild card out there and take Jaden Ivey from Purdue or even Shaden Sharp from Kentucky. There are some options out there for Orlando. I would be very, very surprised if they took a guard, not just because the big three of Smith, Bancaro, and Holmgren have been kind of the the primary people discussed as the number one overall pick, but also because Orlando has Jalen Suggs, of course. They also have Cole Anthony. They have Markel Fultz. And they don't have a lot of depth in the front court. One of the conversations that a lot of Gonzaga Twitter has been discussing and certainly other folks who are kind of paying attention to the draft is... The concern about Orlando's player development system in general and whether that would be hamper Chet Holmgren's ability to reach his full potential should he get selected by the Magic. They in particular have struggled to develop big men and I can understand why that would be a concern for fans. Jalen Suggs did not have the best rookie season last year. He also was injured for a very large chunk of the season and I think that he is uh, without a doubt going to improve at least in terms of his offensive efficiency he's already a very good defensive player but I don't think that one three quarters of a season from Jalen Suggs should be any level of concern for whether Chet Holmgren would develop in Orlando Uh, there's also the counter example which is Jonathan Isaac who has not been in the league for the last couple of years in part because of ankle injuries in part 
because of his political views. But he, at age 22, he averaged, I think, like 12 points, seven rebounds, two and a half blocks, was a defensive player of the year candidate. He was 22 years old. And in his second or third season in Orlando, he had developed into a legitimate defensive superstar, or at least star, was on the way to becoming a defensive superstar before the injuries and everything else that has kind of come with him the last couple of years has really derailed his career. If you're Chet Holmgren and you're looking at a player who was drafted when he was a teenager and by age 22 was legitimately one of the best defensive big men in the league, that's not necessarily a bad result. Like, I think that Orlando is getting up too much of a bad rap for this. And I think that, yes, they're... There are some fit concerns specifically. Orlando has had some trouble with this. I can understand that. But at the end of the day, they have developed defensive bigs in the past. The partnership with Jalen Suggs is such a fun narrative fit. It doesn't always matter. The narrative fit is not the most important thing in the world. But the stories, the content would be fantastic. Chet and Jalen, I'm sure, would absolutely love to get to play together in the NBA. What an incredible story for them. These two kids from Minnehaha High School in Minneapolis both go to Gonzaga but don't get to overlap while they're there and then both get to reunite together in Orlando. Really, really fun story potentially there if the Magic are willing to take Chet Holmgren with that number one overall pick. Number two is the Oklahoma City Thunder. This is an interesting fit. Uh, I think there's definitely people on both sides of the spectrum here with the, with the Thunder. Uh, a lot of people very upset, still have still harbor some pretty ugly feelings towards Oklahoma City because of their uh, previous affiliation in Seattle with the Supersonics, of course, and, and how that went down. I understand that. I'm also a Portland native and a Portland Trailblazers fan, so I am certainly not as emotionally attached to that concern as many Gonzaga fans are, but I respect it. I appreciate it. I understand it. If you hate the Oklahoma City Thunder because of this and you don't want Chet to go there... I get it. I'm not going to tell you you shouldn't feel that way. I also think that Oklahoma City could be a potentially very good fit for Chet in a lot of ways. Uh, the most notable way is that they are not trying to win anytime soon. <laughs> they have, I think, seven first-round picks in the next three years. Uh, they're probably not going to be a good basketball team for at least two years and probably longer than that, depending on what they do with Shai Gilgis-Alexander. But that gives Chet, who again is 19, we forget, he's very, very young, that gives him an opportunity to grow in a potentially not high-pressure environment. Oklahoma City is one of the smaller markets, certainly. Uh, they're not a team that's expected to be particularly good for the next couple of years. So Chet can grow, he can develop, he can make his mistakes uh, while playing for a team that isn't particularly con concerned about trying to turn it around and win right away. I, I don't know a ton about Oklahoma City's development. It's particularly with big men. They have a pretty new staff over there. So it's kind of a little unfair to look at previous regimes and say, well, they haven't developed big men well, so they're not going to do well with Chet. That's not fair because it's different people who are there. Uh, Oklahoma City is is that they're a big mystery. They're, they're a bit of a wild card in terms of how they're developing players, what they're looking for, when they're trying to turn things around, what their timeline is. And so I think that Oklahoma City could be a really, really good fit for Chet, but it's also a very mysterious fit for Chet at this point. Uh, certainly if this is where he ends up, we will have more conversations with people uh, on the ground in Oklahoma City, people who are affiliated with this team who probably have a better sense of what that fit might look like. Uh, I think if Orlando does not take Chet Holmgren, that Oklahoma City is very, very likely to take Chet Holmgren. Orlando would have to throw a pretty massive curveball out there. I think the only way that Chet makes it below the top two is if Orlando goes Palo Bancaro first, which could happen. I don't want to say that that's out completely crazy, 
But if Orlando went Bancaro first, I think Oklahoma City would take a very long look between Chet Holmgren and Jabari Smith from Auburn. There's a chance they would go with Jabari, in which case Chet would fall to number three, where I think he would very quickly get snapped up by the Houston Rockets. I love this fit. I really like the fit in Houston. It would be a bummer to see him fall to third. I think Chet deserves to be the the highest Zag selected of all time. It's a bit of it's kind of unfortunate to see Adam's record broken because of how important he has been to Gonzaga and remains to Gonzaga. But Chet is an absolute superstar, and seeing him get break Gonzaga's record and be a top two pick in the NBA draft would be very very cool if he ties it. And it goes third overall to Houston. I'm okay with that, not just because it it helps preserve Adam's legacy, but also because I think Houston is perhaps the best fit out of the teams that are available here. Uh, Chet is a great fit in the front court in Houston next to Alperin Sengun, who is there. I think he was a rookie last year for Houston. He's a great post player. He's very similar-ish to Drew Timmy, more of a low post scoring threat. Great footwork, all of that stuff. Good at good high basketball IQ, good passer, all that stuff. And I think that Chet would fit very seamlessly alongside him in the front court, which is fantastic because we know that for Chet to succeed in the NBA, who he plays alongside in the front court is a very important part of that conversation. I think it's critical for him to have the the highest level of success is who he's partnered alongside. Uh, And that would be a natural fit in Houston already. They also have great young guards. Kevin Porter Jr., he's he's had some some plenty of off-the-court issues already in his young career, but he has been incredible when he is on the basketball court. Uh, Jalen Green had an up-and-down rookie season, but by the end of the year, it was clear just how talented he is. Green and Porter Jr. and Singoon partnered with Chet Holmgren. Houston could be on the, on the ups pretty soon. They could be t- turning this thing around pretty quickly, and I think Chet would be a really, really nice fit down there. Next up, again, I think that Chet's likely going top three, so I'm going to kind of briefly talk about the fourth and fifth teams here, the Sacramento Kings. Uh, This would be the worst fit out of the top five for Chet by a long shot. Sacramento has tons and tons of young bigs. They collect young big men. They don't do a particularly great job of developing young big men. That has been an issue for them. Uh, Again, this would break the record for, or this would not break the record for Chet being the highest selected Zag of all time. He would be a poor fit alongside DeMontis Sabonis. Uh, Sabonis can obviously, is a low post score, is not a great outside score. So you could do a little bit of high low in and out, but I just don't think that this fit works particularly well. Uh, It would be fun to have Chet stay on the West Coast. Uh, It would be fun to have two Zags on the same team, certainly in the front court in Chet and Sabonis, but I'm not sure I love this fit outside of that. And then number five, the Detroit Pistons, again, would be very surprising if Chet Holmgren was still on the board here at number five. I think if the first three picks go by and Chet has not been selected, Sacramento is probably going to field a bunch of phone calls from teams trying to trade up to number four to get Chet uh, again. So I don't see Sacramento passing. If they weren't going to take him, they would probably just trade the pick and give it to somebody else. Uh, But if he does somehow fall to five and ends up in Detroit with the Pistons, would be an extremely fun fit as a rim runner with Cade Cunningham, who is going to develop into an absolute star in Detroit. Uh, Not sure if it means Detroit would keep Kelly Olenek or not. Uh, It would be kind of fun if Kelly ended up being like a bit, bit of a mentorship role for Mr. Holmgren, but of course they also have Isaiah Stewart, they have Sadiq Bey, like they don't need another front court player right there, but if they're picking at number five and Chet Holmgren falls in their lap, they're probably going to find a way to make it work and they'll just figure everything else out afterwards, but uh, this would be a fairly surprising result for Holmgren in the NBA draft.
All right, we got way more Chet talk coming in the next month or so. We're going to talk about all of these teams, how his fit would would look, how he does in the combine, all of that good stuff uh, in future episodes. For today, though, in the second segment, we're going to look at a few Zags who are playing overseas in Europe, one who just signed a new contract, one who won yet another MVP award in his league. Before we get there, though, let's talk about Bilt Bar. Summer is coming, and with the summer, you're going to need some new food on the go. Built Bars are the perfect snack to take with you on family vacations. Throw them in your bags, in your kids' backpacks. Make sure that everyone has a bar so you are fueled for your summer adventures. The best part about Built Bars, they're healthy and delicious. No more sacrificing delicious food for health. With Built Bar, you can have both. Have you tried the Built Puffs yet? We are going crazy for the puffs. They come in crazy flavors like banana cream pie and even churro. Who doesn't want a protein bar that tastes like a churro? And they're only 140 calories. Sign me up. If that's not enough flavor for you, then you might want to try the Mixed Box. The Mixed Box comes with 12 flavors of bars and puffs. Most Built Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Go to Built.com to get all your favorites. Banana cream pie, raspberry, double chocolate, and so many more. They are all delicious and new flavors are coming out all the time. Check them out at Built.com. In fact, go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and you will get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right, segment two. Still Andy Patton, still locked on Zags. And we're switching over to talk about three Zags who are playing professional basketball outside of the U.S. There's a couple updates on them. Eventually, I'll do a full episode talking about every Zag who played in Europe over this past season, recapping their stats. It's really fun to not just see how some of the more notable Zags are doing, but to see some guys who maybe haven't played at Gonzaga in the last 10 years or maybe are names that people forgot and are still playing overseas in Europe. So we'll do that at another time. But for today, we're focusing on three Zags. The first one... Josh Perkins. Josh Perkins has signed a new contract. He will play basketball this upcoming season in Puerto Rico with Brujos de Guayama. He played in Italy and Turkey last season, so he went overseas after uh, playing in the G League to begin his professional basketball career. He went overseas. He played in Italy and Turkey. He played nine games in the first level of the Turkish League, averaged 11 points and seven and a half assists. Shout out to Josh Perkins for some pretty monster numbers in Turkey. He also put up great numbers in the Italian League as well, 17 games in Italy, 10.3 points, 5.7 assists for him. Now he's going to be a little bit closer to home over in Puerto Rico. There's some very good teams, some very high-level talent playing in that league at that level, and he's going to be joining uh, Brujos de Guayama. I'm excited to see how he does a little bit closer to home in Puerto Rico. Next up, Kyle Wilcher. Kyle Wilcher is now a professional league champion. He won a championship in the Spanish League, so he has now won an NCAA championship, a high school basketball championship, and a Spanish League championship as well. It was his first year with Lenovo Tenerife. That is where he played last year. He averaged 10.6 points, 2.8 rebounds, and he shot a shocking, stunning. If you know Kyle Wiltshire, you're not that stunned, but he shot 48.3% from deep. Just 
knocking down about half of his three-point attempts. The man is an absolute gunner, a legitimate star shooter, and he helped be, he was a big-time contributor for a team that just won a championship. Shout out to Kyle Wilcher for that. He spent the last couple years in Turkey with Turk Telecom, where he was a, a borderline MVP candidate in that league. So to see him go over to the Spanish league and have some uh, tremendous amount of success there is not at all surprising. Wilcher has balled every single place that he has played. He had a cameo in the NBA. It didn't go particularly well. I wish he had gotten a longer look. I know there's some concerns about his athleticism and the impact that he can make on the defensive end of the floor, particularly at the NBA level. But he crushed it in the G League. I mean, absolutely flat out dominated the G League and has dominated pretty much every level he has played overseas as well. I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. Uh, Again, 11 points and two and a half rebounds is not super staggering numbers, but to be a big time contributor for a team that won a championship in the Spanish League is still pretty darn awesome. So shout out to Kyle Wilcher who continues to win everywhere that he goes. And finally, finally, speaking of winners, Gino Crandall is the British Basketball League 2002 MVP. In 2021, Gino Crandall was also the British Basketball League MVP. He is a back-to-back MVP award winner in the BBL. Uh, He is also a back-to-back championship winner with the Lancaster Riders. He has now won two straight championships, two straight MVPs. He was the finals MVP this past year as well. Basically, the British Basketball League is the league that Gino Crandall built. He is the best player in that league. He remains so. What an incredible, incredible career that Gino Crandall has had since he left Gonzaga. Super shout out to him. He averaged 13 points, seven assists, and five rebounds per game. Just a casual 13, seven, and five for Crandall. Put up some triple doubles. Just had an absolute monster season. They played 23 games at Lancaster. He was a part of 21 wins, 21 and two for the Riders that season. Gino is is an incredible, incredibly high-level basketball player. I'm very curious. I don't think there's a lot of players who are winning back-to-back MVPs at a mid-level basketball conference or basketball league who aren't at least exploring moving up. I have no idea. I would love to get Gino on the show sometime to talk to him about what he's thinking and in, in terms of his career and whether he wants to move up or not. Uh, maybe he's super, super happy playing in England, uh, you know, country he's comfortable, he's familiar, he's been there for the last couple of years, uh, and he's the best player in the league, so maybe he wants to stick it out, but I wonder if he would look into going to the EuroLeague or, or somewhere else and potentially testing his talent out there, because uh, he's clearly good enough to play at this level uh, quite quite uh, easily, and so it's been very fun to see him have, have so much success. I'm excited for Josh and his new team, I'm excited for Wilcher for winning himself a championship, and obviously Gino also winning a championship and back-to-back MVP awards. We're going to talk a lot more about the other Zags playing overseas. Jeremy Jones uh, and his situation with it. He got promoted for it to a new team. We got uh, Shema Karnowski returning from an injury. There's tons. Nigel Williams-Goss is over there. Kevin Pango signed a new contract over there. We're going to talk all about that in future episodes, but I wanted to shout, shout out these three guys for, for recent accomplishments and recent new teams uh, for former Zags playing overseas. Now we're going to come back in the third segment. We're looking at Gonzaga's heartbreaking loss to Oregon on Tuesday night. What a bummer to fall in that game. We're going to talk about what it means for their playoff future for this weekend against San Diego and for hosting a regional. But before we get there, let's talk about Rock Auto. This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing number of makes and models, it is now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. 
why endear often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning, like is your Odyssey an LX or an EX, and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Plus, Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every customer, and they have everything you could need. Brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpets. I just had my 13-year-old car service recently, and I can tell you having one place to find all the parts I need makes things infinitely easier. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. That's rockauto.com. All right, segment three, still Andy Patton, still locked on Zags. We're switching over to cover the Gonzaga baseball program, which played on Tuesday night against the Oregon Ducks. It was a big game for both teams. Both teams are kind of right on the edge of being a host of a regional, which is, goes to the top 16 seeds, or being a two seed, which is t- seeds 17 through 32, uh, who do not get to host a regional. The Zags have kind of flirted with that line for most of the season. Uh, the Ducks as well, because they had some. They started out really strong, and they've had some kind of falters during the Pac-12 play. So both teams are kind of right on the edge of potentially hosting a regional. So this is why this game was such a big one on Tuesday night. Unfortunately, the Ducks fell on a walk-off two-run double from Jacob Wall. Sorry, the Zags fell to the Ducks because the Ducks won on a 5-4 or a 5-4 game on a walk-off two-run double from Jacob Walsh. Uh, really, really tough loss for the Zags. This was really, really unfortunate. Uh, they made a tremendous comeback. They've been the comeback kids all season long. So many excellent jaw-dropping come-from-behind victories. They did it against Santa Clara. They won in 15 innings in that game. They did it against Cal earlier in the year. This team has been kind of the cardiac kids for the entire year, constantly winning games in very epic fashion. And it looked like that was going to happen again here. Uh, the Ducks went up 3-1 to one in the first couple of innings. That that lead maintained for a huge chunk of the game. And then Shea Kramer, shout out Shea Kramer, he hit a go-ahead home run in the eighth inning. It was 3-1. to one. He had a three-run jack to make it 4-3. to three. It looked like the Zags were going to do it again. They were going to pull off an epic, huge victory on the road against the Ducks. Uh, but unfortunately, they were not able to maintain that lead in the final inning. As like I said, a two-run double from Walsh ended the game and gave the Ducks a victory. Shout out Bradley Mullen. He threw an outstanding game for the Zags. He made uh, he drew the start for the Zags. He threw five innings pitched. He gave up three earned runs. He had one walk and six strikeouts. Nico Zeglin and Brody Jesse combined to throw three scoreless innings after that to keep the score intact. And then unfortunately, Alec Gomez, who was the hero against the University of Washington just a few weeks ago. Uh, he gave up the walk-off hit to take the loss for the Zags. So yeah, so this is a tough loss. Like I said, it it, it bumps the it not only bumps the Zags down a little bit in terms of how they're perceived for hosting a regional, but it also bumps the Ducks up a little bit. Uh, the Ducks the Ducks played the Zags twice this year and beat them both times. If it comes down to looking at those two teams, Gonzaga has a better resume. They're a higher-ranked program. They have less losses. They have less bad losses, but at the end of the day, they don't have as many good wins as Oregon, and they lost to them twice. It's going to be tough 
for that to be a sell right there. Now, that doesn't mean that Gonzaga will not host a regional. It doesn't even mean that Oregon will host a regional. Oregon's got three against Arizona State this weekend. If they don't do well there, that is going to hurt their chances of hosting a regional, although it will also hurt Gonzaga's strength of schedule if Oregon doesn't do particularly well. So it puts them in a bit of a tricky spot. Uh, The main thing the Zags need to do is control what they can control. What Gonzaga can control at this point is they got three big ones coming up against the University of San Diego Toreros on the road, one on Friday at 6 p.m., two on Saturday starting at 12 noon. That is the biggest thing for the Zags. They got to flush this game, move on, and take care of the business that they can take care of. San Diego is going to make going to play in a regional. They're going to make the tournament for Division I baseball this year. They're very, very good. The WCC is going to have two teams in at least. So getting a chance to play San Diego on the road to close out the season and to clinch the WCC. If they win one of these games, they clinch the WCC title outright. So winning the WCC, beating San Diego, you got to take at least two out of three from them. Ideally, you sweep them. If you sweep the Toreros to finish out the season, then you kind of leave no doubt. You put yourself in a position where you've done as as good as you can do. Obviously, beating Gonzaga or beating Oregon would have been huge, but you've done what you need to do to put yourself in that position. How it shakes out after that, I don't know. Uh, I have a you know I, I'm not privy to how selections work. For Division One baseball, I haven't seen very many of them. I don't particularly pay attention to them very often. Uh, so this will be kind of a new experience for me as well, but it'll be interesting to see how Gonzaga is viewed after losing to Oregon, but potentially taking a couple wins away from San Diego. They, like I said, they need to take two here. If they take all three, I think they're going to feel pretty good going into the final weekend. But if they take two, uh, we'll see. It's going to be a little bit trickier. I still think they got a pretty good chance of hosting a regional. They've had a really, really successful season. The pitching has just been absolutely on fire all year long. Gabriel Hughes, Tristan Vreeling, William Kempner, and Owen Wilde have been awesome. And then you see a guy like Bradley Mullen go out and throw five good innings against a very good team in Oregon. It's just a, a deep, talented roster, and it would be a shame to see them not get a chance to host a regional at Patterson Memorial Baseball Complex this season. All right, we got more baseball talk coming up on tomorrow's episode. We're going to continue to cover this team as they make history as one of the greatest, if not the greatest, season in Gonzaga baseball history. So we got plenty more coverage of that coming later this week. We're also going to talk, of course, about the transfer portal, any new updates going on with Mark Few's program right here on the Locked On Zags podcast, available wherever you get your podcasts, and of course, available on YouTube as well. Check it out there. Hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. All right, thank you again to those of you who have made Locked On Zags your first listen every day. Make sure to go check out the Locked On NBA Big Board. Host Raphael Barlow from NBA Draft Junkies and author of the NBA Big Board newsletter is joined by Richard Stamen, Sam Ferris, and Leif Thulin, giving fans an in-depth look into the NBA Draft, Mock Draft, Player Rankings, and of course, Big Boards. It's free and available wherever you get podcasts. All right, thank you all for listening, and go Zags.